Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And here uh, in the longest chapter of the book, um, Paul is, uh, has a very different tone. Uh, for, for most of the book, Paul has addressed the false teachers in Corinth um, sort of indirectly. He's defended himself. He's promoted his endurance as a minister and his courage and all that sort of stuff. But now he, he faces them head on to the point that he calls them super apostles. That they think they're better than what they actually are. Um, and so verse 1 really sets uh, Paul's reluctance in writing this chapter. He says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. And so he, he feels forced to defend his authority as an apostle. And he's been hinting at this. Uh, uh, particularly, we, we saw it started yesterday in chapter 10. But now he's, he's, he's coming full force. He says, so just bear with me, because what follows is foolishness. I, I shouldn't have to do this. It's not something I want to do, but, but you, you have forced my hand uh, through this. And so, verse 3, I am afraid that as the serpent deceives Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you received a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Um, that is the heart of a pastor right there. Um, where he, he says, look, look, I've, I've seen the weakness of your faith in that like Eve in the garden, you were easily led astray. This is the problem when Christians keep drinking milk rather than chewing on the meat of the gospel. This has been a frustration I've had in ministry is that Christians today don't want to grow in their faith. They just want to get to, to, to a level of contentment and then just move on with, with, with their lives and not really grow. So you get caught into a routine. You show up on Sunday morning, you leave, go to lunch, and then you move on with the rest of your life. And so your, your faith commitment is, is bare minimum. And as a result, we, we are constantly bombarded with false messages and false truths and everything. And, and we don't have the tools necessary, nor the spiritual depth necessary, to navigate this, this dark world. And so how many wolves have corrupted churches, corrupted movements, and corrupted uh, individual believers? Uh, it, it isn't uncommon for me to get phone calls or be engaged in a conversation where I'm having to back people away from heresy uh, or at least dangerous teachings because they've spent more time on the Internet than they have in God's Word. And that's Paul's complaint here. Is that you, you guys are like, like Eve in that you're easily led astray by something that looks and sounds attractive but that is actually quite spiritually damning. So, so notice how Paul describes it as um, someone who claims another Christ, uh, you receive a different spirit, and preach a different gospel. Uh, I used this yesterday, and, and it's uh, something I just came across by a week or so ago, and I really like it, so I'm going to use it again. Uh, a false gospel is one that, um, that, that adds to the gospel, subtracts from Christ, and divides the people of God. I find that so helpful and so simple. It's a simple math equation. Adds to the gospel, subtracts from Christ, 
divides the people of God. It's essentially what Paul describes here. In fact, he says, verse 5, Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these so-called uh, super apostles, right? You, right? If this was written in English, you can you can hear him saying that. He, he, he calls them super apostles, not because they are super apostles, but in a mocking sort of way. They consider themselves greater than the apostles themselves, people who, who studied under and, and were discipled by Jesus himself. And these guys think that they are better than, than all that. Why? Because uh, they, they found a blog they like. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, we talked about that previously, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Paul's saying, look, I'm not a fool. I know what the gospel is. I know, I know what sound theology is. And don't treat me like a fool with, with these guys. Don't assume that I'm a fool when dealing with, with these guys. Uh, he goes on there at the end of verse 7, I preach God's gospel to you free of charge. I rob other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. Now, he spent some time talking about this in chapters 8 and 9, so I don't want to spend forever on it. Uh, but Paul did, and I think he mentioned this in 1 Corinthians, Paul would normally accept a salary from the other churches. But when he came to Corinth, he didn't do it. And and one can, can get the idea that when Paul came to Corinth, he he had this... This this nagging sensation saying that, that if he did take a salary, a right he had, that would become a problem. I've been in ministry long enough that, that there are uh, events where you can almost predict what's going to come out of it. And can I give you one of them? If, if a guy comes to your church and he just left his other church to come to your church, and as you uh, engage with him and, and try to minister to him and welcome him to the congregation, but all he does is bash other churches, he probably won't last six months. You're this, the next victim of his um, uh, spiritual immaturity. right? And, and I've gotten to where I can almost pick them out pretty quickly. Um, and, and there's been times when I've warned others to say, look, we're going to love, we're going to encourage, and we're going to try to be the last church's person that ever visits. But you need to know, there's a high probability they're gone in six months. And that is not uh, your fault. That is not criticism of you. It is just, just so that you know there's a pattern here. And, 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 and the problem is always with other churches or other people, right? There, there's always them. And, and, and in that pride, you, you can't see it in yourself. Right. And so, so Paul would say, look, I, I, I knew this was going to be a problem. So I didn't accept a, a salary uh, from you. Um, however, he said, I didn't burn you, but the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. I was still being supplied by, by other churches. So I refrained and will refrain from uh, burdening you in any way. Paul was also, um, Paul was also a... Um, um, a tent maker. He was bivocational pastor at, at this time. He goes on, uh, verse 13, For such men, he, he says of them, are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So, so consider how he defines them. One, their theology is off. Their motives of off is that they are motivated by wealth rather than um, 
their calling to Christ. And thirdly, um, they, they have a false righteousness. So they have a false theology, false motivation, and a false righteousness. And Paul's saying, you guys need to see through this. They may say the right things, play the right part, but you need to see through that. It goes on. Um, what he does starting in verse 16 in the chapter is he goes back to his sufferings as the, his primary argument. When it comes down to it, my calling and my convictions uh, lead me to persevere through, through endurance. Now, again, we, we've talked about this before. Paul sees his sufferings as evidence of God's grace, not the absence of God's grace. We do the opposite today. Whenever people suffer now, we lose a loved one, we get a bad diagnosis, uh, uh, financial struggles, car wreck, uh, 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 family suffering, personal uh, struggles. Uh, we, we respond with, well, God doesn't love me. Paul does the opposite. Paul sees suffering as the evidence of God's grace uh, because he needs God's grace to, through that. And so Paul will say, look, let's look at the resumes. These guys are safe. They say what keeps them safe. They do what keeps them safe. And, and that is what they care about the most. Is that I must preach Christ crucified regardless of the cause. And I would say today, you turn on that TV and you think, well, with lockdown, I, I just watch a, a, a TV uh, preacher. Chances are you, you should probably change the channel. Um, but ask yourself, are these guys preaching a gospel that is safe for Americans, or are they preaching the gospel regardless of the context? Can the gospel they preach be the same message? Can they preach that to other places in the world, or is it so Americanized that, that it's unrecognizable anywhere else in the world? And this is a major problem with the hardcore prosperity heretics, or even the more soft prosperity preachers. Guys who want you to feel good about yourself, whose, whose emphasis is about uh, the, the love of God without the justice of God or the holiness of God, who, who only care about selling books uh, um, and, and promoting their so-called ministry. You'd avoid the, the, these sort of preachers. And if you, would, if you would grow as a believer, it wouldn't take much skill to recognize a false teacher whatever they show up on your television screen. Sure, they may have a great smile. They may look promising. They may sound promising. But they're just servants uh, or angels of light who disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. And so Paul then goes and brags about his resume of suffering, but, but he's reluctant to do it. Uh, so so th th he introduces this in verse 1 where, you know, just bear with, with my foolishness. Verse 17, what I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Right? He's saying, you guys have forced me into this. So here's his resume. I, I love this passage. Um, verse 22, are they Hebrews, the false teachers? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? Well, I am too. Are they servants of Christ? Well, I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman, he says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Your translation may just say thirty-nine lashes. Um, forty was the limit by Jewish law, so they would do 39 in case they miscounted. Jesus would have gotten the same scourging prior to his uh, crucifixion. Paul said, I got that five times. <laughs> 
quite quite the feat there. I mean, that's a story, right? Uh, that, 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 today, that would sell a book. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's when he's in Lystra. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. That's at the end of Acts. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toils and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, right? <laughs> I keep adding to the list. There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who's made a fall? And I am not indignant. That's what Paul says here. He says, look, I've endured through all of this because of the gospel. Because of the gospel, I've made it through all this. These things are a badge of honor for me. Because through this, I've, I've, I've experienced God's grace over and over again and I've witnessed God's grace in the saving of souls and the establishing of churches but I love how how he concludes it he says look all of these beatings and abuse and everything else was not the worst of it it was the daily anxiety and worry over the churches let me tell you that is the heart of a pastor that is the heart of a pastor and I bet if you were to talk to your pastor about ministry in COVID, it is that right there. That right there. The stress upon our people and upon the church and the spiritual challenges of our age. That right there is a verse keeping in mind for your pastor. Well, he concludes, if I must boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness. That will not work in an American audience, will it? And that's the problem. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King um, Aridus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. I am weak, and in that weakness I will boast about Christ. Man, we Americans have got a lot to learn from that, don't we? Hope to see you here tomorrow.